Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a short version of The Bank. We thought here the last day before the draft, you guys could use your fix before um, the draft is coming up here in a few hours. And so we thought we'd take a look at a couple of mock drafts and um, Jordan Coe and Gabe Ferguson are going to take a look at what we think from some of these major drafts, who we think is in the right place, who we think is in the wrong place. Um, should be a quick consumption for you. Um, and we're going to start with um, Jeremiah's draft from NFL.com. Um, and so he did a first round projection on who he thought was going to go and where. Um, and I think Gabe's going to kick us off on his initial reaction here. Yeah, so I think uh, Jeremiah's draft is kind of a good consensus in terms of the valuation across the board. But the first thing that jumped out to me was that he had uh, – cornerback Jeffrey Okuda of Ohio State going at number three overall, which I feel is kind of a consensus pick because the Lions need a cornerback and he's a very good cornerback, but very rarely in drafts do corners get taken that high. So my thought process is Detroit's actually going to trade out that pick. Even if they don't get, you know, the potential perfect value for that slot, I think they're still going to try and trade back maybe just a couple picks, maybe to like five which is the Dolphins, or six, which is the Chargers. Both teams are quarterback needy. One of them will jump up just to secure their pick. Um, he also has Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon, being as the first quarterback taken. And I am also in disagreement with that. I, think, I still think Tua is by far a superior prospect than Herbert. And even with the injury concerns, I think Tua is going to be the number one quarterback taken. And I think he'll go at three. Yeah, I think there's some real interesting drama in those top five picks. And, you know, when you look at Daniel Allen Jeremiah's picks, the other one that stood out to me was Werfs being the first offensive tackle off the board and for the Giants. Um, you know, he's not the name that you're hearing consistently as being the first off- offensive tackle off the board. And I, I've just got real questions about whether the Giants are going to take a tackle. Like, they need a tackle. And there are a lot of teams that need tackles. Um, but I think one of the really interesting things that we're going to have to watch over the like the course of this draft is what happens with the tackles in the draft and where their valuation comes in. Because you see all these teams that understand the value in the trenches, offensive, de- defensive line. Um, but how do they value these guys? And if you think a guy can fall or if you think you can get average value in the second or third round from a tackle position, is it really worth it to take one at this spot? And I think Werfs is a guy that, you know, we've heard folks on the BSL message board talk about falling and being interesting. And, you know, I would just be at this stage really stunned um, if the Giants take Werfs. Um, I think that there is a really legitimate chance that the Giants, if they use this pick, end up taking a wide receiver. Um, I think whoever they like best of the bunch, and I think CeeDee Lamb is the best of them, um, I think that's going to be the guy at this pick at number four, um, especially if um, Okuda is taken at number three. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take. I I don't think a wide receiver goes that early, but you never know. They, they uh, could definitely be in that market. Um, and I agree with you with the offensive tackles. I think there's four guys, I think, that are in a kind of a 
elite tier. Um, but what order they go in, it's going to be hard to say. I think Andrew Thomas is probably the most ready left tackle, and he, he's the guy I would project it for. But um, never know. And and Worf's and he's a very good prospect too. So we'll see. Yeah. And what jumps to me about out to me about Jeremiah's draft is that Thomas is pick 14 kind of when it all shakes out for them too um so it's just really interesting to see kind of where those picks are going to come out it, it should be people should be watching offensive tackle closely and what happens with that um and i think that there's a decent chance that the giants pick ends up being a tackle and it not being the giants actually taking that pick but we'll see yeah so i think the next thing that really stood out to both of us was isaiah simmons dropping all the way down to pick 10 um, to the Cleveland Browns, which I think is a little further than I was anticipating. I, he's probably someone I think would go in the top six, seven, eight picks. I mean, 10 is not that much further, but he's a really dynamic playmaker for defense, and he can play all over the place. Maybe that's what hurts him. He doesn't have a specific position, and teams don't see him as a guy that they can slot into a role. What do you think about Simmons? If Simmons falls to 10... And the Ravens don't tra- trade up to nine. I'd be upset. Uh, Simmons is, is in my opinion, a top five player in this draft. Um, he's going to be a dynamic defensive player. Like, I, I, he's just one of those guys where he can do it all, and one of those guys that really pops on tape. Um, and just like envisioning him and how he fits into Martindale's defense just gets me excited. Um, so it would, it would really disappoint me to see that Simmons fall all the way to 10. And I think there's a very low likelihood that the, the Jaguars wouldn't get trade value for what they wanted out of that pick to not take a tackle at nine, which is what Jeremiah has them doing. Um, so I, I just don't see Simmons getting to double digits. And, and I think that there would be a team that would trade up for him. Maybe that's not the Ravens. Um, and it's pretty much unlikely and, and a chance of zero that it's the Ravens, but he's a guy that he's a guy that's an exciting player to watch. And I'd be pretty disappointed if he fell to 10. So what do you think it would take for the Ravens to trade up to 10 or nine to take him? And that's a really good it? question. Yeah. I mean, that that's that now you're talking about, now you're talking about a first this year, probably a second this year and maybe a second or even a first next year which is a ton of draft capital, right? But Simmons is a guy that you're going to build the defense around for years. Um, And I'd be okay with it. Okay. I think that makes sense in terms of what it would take. And then do you have a take on his position or do you don't think it matters? Uh, So I think he can play inside linebacker for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that if Chuck, I think if Chuck Clark has got the, I think if Chuck Clark's got the green dot on his helmet, then it's totally reasonable that Simmons could play kind of like weak side or the mic when needed and everything would be just fine. And like kind of the, the integration and the way that would all work, it just seems like it would be perfect fit, seamless. The Ravens would just make something like that work. Yeah, I definitely think so. In, in Wink's scheme, you'll, you'll put him in every single position to succeed. And with him, you don't have to worry about the coverage skills at all. I think he's definitely, I mean, I've seen some people who consider him more of a, a strong safety than a linebacker. So I think he's kind of your modern day, whatever defender you need him to be. I'd be stunned if he falls past Carolina and Arizona, though. Yeah. Just, just flat out stunned. <laughs>
All right. So, so I think that- yeah, I mean, the next guy, I mean, right after what Jeremiah's got at, at linebacker safety and Simmons, he's got all three of the wide receivers going off the board next. Right. And, you know, I agree that Lamb is the top guy of those three guys. And I agree with his order there. Um, but I really wonder if the Jets are going to take Lamb there um, and and kind of what that that would look like if all those wide receivers follow that spot. I think. 11 is going to become an incredibly coveted pick at that point. Um, and it's going to be, especially for a guy um, in Douglas that was from the Ravens kind of school of thought. Um, I think he's going to get a ton of calls if Lamb is still on the board at 11 as well. Um, and I'd be really stunned if he gets out of the top 10 too. Yeah, I think also for the Jets, it's going to depend on who's available at offensive tackle because they need help in their offensive line in a, in a significant way. And they also need wide receiver help. So I could see them taking a wide receiver. I could see all three wide receivers going off the board there like that in that order. But I also think there's a chance that one or two of them, you know, lasts a little longer than that. But it's an interesting spot in the draft for that little mini wide receiver run to happen. And for the Niners, you know, I would add to the the Niners pick at 13, you know, and I think you and I disagree on rugs a little bit, Gabe. But I don't think Ruggs is worth the 13th pick. And I think I think San Francisco, who doesn't have a pick from the first round, I think, until the fourth round because of all the trades that they made. Um, if that's right, they've got two picks in the first, but then nothing until the fourth. Um, they're going to trade back in that spot if Ruggs is there um, and teams are going to, especially if Lamb gets picked and then Judy gets picked in succession. I think Ruggs' is, spot and that 13th pick is going to become immensely valuable for them in a way that they're not going to be able to draft in that spot yeah and i think we've seen reports come out that the the niners are looking to trade back um and that makes sense and maybe that's a spot where the ravens could also slide up into if they feel like there's value there so if they want to get one of those wide receivers and he's on the board potentially it could happen yeah and then the next one that stands out to me is gross matos at 18 i mean he was a guy that you didn't even like better than ipanisa um, so I'm curious what your take is on the Dolphins taking a guy that it seems totally out of left field in terms of value um, for where the rest of the draft boards are. Yeah, personally, I don't see him as a player that is a top 20 pick. I don't even think he's a first round player for me, but I can see why he would be a top 20 pick. I think if you just look at him in terms of his size, his decent production, that wasn't great production. Um, but mostly just like the way he looks and his athleticism. He, he's a guy I think you see as something that can be molded into an elite defensive end. Um, it's kind of a high ceiling, low floor pick, very risky, but the Dolphins do have three first round picks, so maybe they can afford to take a pick like that, uh, use a pick like that on a guy like Gary uh, Matos. Yeah, I mean, they'd have to be totally disappointed to see Chase Ongo at 17 right in front of them if that's the kind of guy, like if they were looking for pass rush in terms of what they're going to get out of that. But, um, you know, I would be I would be stunned if the Dolphins picked at 18 and took Gross Matos. Now, whether or not you want to say that some team that covets Gross Matos might trade up to that spot to make sure that they were getting ahead of a few folks because Chase On was just taken right before that, that's one thing altogether. Um, but I think that's the thing that I would say that I'm really watching for in the first round and really into the second round and third, early part of the third as well, is how these runs on players are going to go. Yeah. Right? Um, I think Chase on going right before Gross Matos, if he's the next guy that you like, I think the Dolphins get to trade that pick and someone could trade up to that spot. But I'd be really, I'd just be really shocked if the Dolphins took Gross Matos at 18. 
Yeah, I think it depends on how these teams have the players tiered out. And then, like, do you have Chase on Gross Matos as kind of this tier, and then there's a drop-off before the next edge rusher? And you feel like if you don't get a guy here, maybe you'll, you'll have to wait however long until you get somebody who can give you what you feel is the right amount of talent at that position. So I, I agree that that's too high for him, in my opinion, but I can see it happening. And maybe... You know, they want to trade back and accumulate some more picks. They definitely need all the talent they can get. So I think... I think it also... Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, Gabe. No, I was just going to say, maybe like it's not going to be as hard to move up in this draft as as some people think, because there's a lot of teams that are looking to trade back, and maybe you can move up for less value than you would necessarily um, need in some yeah. of the drafts. And I think if... if... Gross Matos goes at 18, and regardless of who takes him there, there's a really good chance that someone else trades up really close behind that and takes Ibanisa. Um, and I could see the Raiders being in a position where they would be very interested in trading out of that spot for that value. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a guy that you really don't like with the next pick that you saw that, that stood out to you here, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, I assume you're talking about uh, Kenneth Murray. Yeah. Yeah, so he went ahead of Patrick Queen in this mock, which I think has kind of flipped the other way. I think Queen is considered the higher-rated prospect on most boards. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of a pick-your-poison in terms of what you want at the position. Do you want the guy who's more of a thumper, who's like the physical like run defender kind of big body, or do you want a guy who's going to probably project better as a coverage linebacker? Um so I, I could see Murray going ahead of Queen. To me, it's not what I would do, but you know, if it fits that right system, then that's what you do, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm on board totally for uh, Queen over Murray. I think he's, or I'm sorry, Murray over Queen. I think he's a standout prospect that is uh, going to make a big impact on the team that he ends up landing with. But um, it'll, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens the inside linebacker position. Cause I think that there's some interesting depth later in the draft, um, particularly for guys that profile a little bit more like Murray. And I, I'm fascinated to see what that ends up doing to some of their values as we get into the draft and, and what happens and some of these runs that I keep talking about, you know, whether it's queen or Murray that gets taken first, what does that do to how the rest of the teams in the league react to when those guys get drafted? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, pretty solid group of linebackers in this draft. And there's actually a lot, number of teams I think they need inside linebackers um, or like you're some kind of linebacker off the ball position. And we'll see how, how early they go. Um, it could be that, you know, we get more than two go in the first round. We could see three or four go in the first round. Um, several could go in the second round. I'm interested to see how that position develops. Yeah, me too. Well, the next, I, I mean, it doesn't take long. Jeremiah really gets into this one and really shakes it up, right? Um, and T. Higgins at 25 to the Vikings was one that um, I'm not sure I see happening. I mean, Jefferson is the only wide receiver off the board before kind of the big three, so to speak, that went 11, 12, 13 in his draft. Um, and I know you like Higgins, and we talked about that on a podcast earlier, but I would just be, I'd be shocked to see Higgins to be the fifth wide receiver off the board um, when it's all said and done here. Um, it just doesn't seem in the cards to me. I would be less surprised by it. I think that the falling of Higgins on boards was over-exaggerated. 
I think he's still someone that teams are going to look at and see with size, with decent enough speed, with ability to make contested catches, um, very impressive, kind of away from the body grabs. And I think he can fit into pretty much any system. And I think that's something that's valuable. You don't have to put him in a certain role. Um, I think he can just come in and contribute right away. And for yeah. like the Vikings, I think, who has basically one wide receiver who's starting caliber right now, I think that's something that you would potentially look at instead of someone who might be more of a project, like a Denzel Mims, for example. Yeah, I just see the Vikings being able to wait for a guy like Hamler and needing a guy that could take, with Thielen, needing a guy that could take the top off of defense a little bit more and get deep, which there are plenty of guys like Rig or um, like Ayuk or Ayuk um, that are that are there to go deep as well. Um, so I think that's an interesting question for them. Um, and, you know, it's just, it'll be interesting to see how much better is T Higgins than a guy like Michael Pittman. Um, and at 25, is it really worth it to take that pick? Are you better off trying to get somebody to trade up for that pick? It, Jordan Love's still on the board here. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Higgins is much better than Pittman. I think they're very similar. But I think Pittman might also go at the back end of the, of the first round. So, Yeah, I think that's the big question. And the, the, the question that everyone's probably been waiting for, the last pick that we want to talk about is the Ravens pick. And um, I, I love it, right? Zach Bowne is, is a guy that I, I want the Ravens to draft. And I want to find the I want the Ravens to find a way to get him on the team. I think he's a winner. I think he's a guy that is going to get it done in a variety of different ways. Um, but I think that leaves the question of at 28, if he's still on the board, is he the right pick to take there? And are there other guys that are going to be better value? And and the one that stood out to me, at least towards the end of um, Jeremiah's draft was Blacklock. Um, and I, you know, I, I have to confess, I haven't watched a lot of tape on him and I don't know him personally. Um, but when you're talking about defensive tackles that are in the conversation for the top 15 pick in the draft um, earlier in the profile, those are guys that can rush the passer or at least take up two blockers on a consistent basis. Um, and those guys aren't easy to find um, that are able to essentially be a little bit more than a Michael Pierce in terms of the value and production they put on the field. Um, and so I'll be really interested to see what the Ravens do in a spot like that um, and whether or not they're going to be willing to take a guy that's falling in the draft and or willing to trade back in that instance because of who's falling in the draft. Yeah, I think in this case, it's just a matter of finding the player that fits the most glaring need who's available. Um, and maybe you can trade back and you know get a little more value and maybe even find a different position of, of value there. But I think I'm not sure the business tackle in the first round would be the direction that the Ravens go just because of positional need. Um, and the value of that position isn't great, I don't think, in terms of who's available there. Because the top two guys, I think, are definitely going to be gone. And then you're looking at few names that are kind of like fringe first round, second round type of talent. And I'm not sure that they're the types who are really going to come in and be, you know, a difference maker right away. And I think with the first round pick, you're hoping to find that. All right, guys. Well, that's our take on Daniel Jeremiah's um, first round mock on NFL.com. He's a guy that we like and trust and think that he's got um, a good sense of what's going on out there in the NFL. So we're going to cover ESPN and Mel Kuyper's first two rounds um, next and uh, look at Gabe's mock draft after that, but hope you enjoy this digital short.